Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Relative Pitch. We are so excited uh, today to have on Leah Sneed with us today. She is a graduate student at the University of South Carolina. How are you doing, Leah? Wait, first of all, doctor? <laughs> that is true. Hold on, hold on, because... Not yet. No, ABD. Okay. okay. almost there, but she is about to be doctor. Leah Sneed. First of all, we we talked about you. Uh, what was it? Last episode, two episodes ago, and we just gave you a shout out. We was just like, y'all. First of all, it's about to be Doctor Sneed up in the building. Okay, is <laughs> and which she is also part of our CBDNA presentation. So everybody, please, please, please give a clap and welcome to about to be Doctor Sneed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to CBDNA. Oh my gosh. I was talking about it today, not too long ago to a friend of mine. And that's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Y'all, if you can't be there, we are of course going to record it and it's going to be on YouTube. But if you have any inkling about going to CBDNA, Please, please come because it this session is going to be one of those you should never miss. Okay, we have some great people, so please, please, please come on out. And if you can't, check, uh, you know, catch it on YouTube, catch it on the YouTube. Wow. But so, Leah, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to USC, and what are all the things that you you've done up until this point? Wow. Well, I really took the the, the long way around. <laughs> um, the very, very long way around. So like I graduated, I actually got my bachelor's in 2011. And even then I graduated late because my first five years of college, I was about to graduate. I was pre-med and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And so like I transferred and <laughs> changed my major with like a year to go. And yeah. And then with music, you know, you start over no matter what, like you, it's four years off it no matter what. So, yeah, so I did that. And then I taught, this was at Armstrong. Well, I started at Savannah State, then I went to Armstrong in Savannah. Then I taught in Savannah for a while, built my teaching chops, really interesting experience, but I really, really learned how to teach. So that was cool. Then I actually got recruited by the great Dr. Ronnie Wooten to go to NIU to get my master's. I didn't even know what an assistantship was until he told me about it. (laughs) And, you know. I was a new teacher and you know how crazy those first years are. So I was like, let me go get this free paper, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. Children, don't pay for grad school. You children watching, boys and girls, young people watching, don't pay for grad school. No. About it. Talk it. about wait, it. Wait for your time. Your time will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so did did that at NIU. That was a really great experience. It was awesome. Um, I thought I was ready for the cold because I'm from New York. I was not prepared for that Midwest <laughs> cold. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. That was crazy. Um, got married when I was, well, got engaged when I was in school. Yeah. Let me see. Then came back here and taught some more and taught some more. Ended up at a really great school in South Georgia called um. Richmond Hill High School is one of those like, mm-hmm. you know, 200 plus person marching band when all the trophies type, you know, situations. And it was really a great experience because I learned how to manage small band programs already. But then learning how to manage. What do you want, Bruno? I'm sorry, y'all. He's he's jealous. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just slapped me like he literally does this thing where he'll pick up his paw and just 
kind of slap you stop what a bit <laughs> sorry guys um but yeah like you know it was, it was really great to learn how to manage that big program but i knew that i always wanted to be doctor it was patterson then dr patterson um now doctors need and so with me not going to med school anymore and I wanted to do something with music anyway. So that's when I just, well, I've always known I wanted to get a doctor. So once I changed the music, I knew I was going to go all the way. Just had to wait for, you know, the money, like you said, the money to come and the opportunities. Um, and then because I was married at the time too, we also had to kind of time it right because Derek is also in school. He's actually in school here as mm -hmm. well. So this was like, I mean, aside from like us just really wanting to come here, it also just worked out because there are some schools that like he got into and I didn't and then vice versa. So yeah, it all worked out. And now we're here back in school again. <laughs> Every time I turn around, yeah, I'm about to be 40 soon. Every time I turn around, I'm sick of you. I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I get that because I just graduated with my master's. I went straight mm -hmm. six years. Uh -huh. and I said, if I have to learn about Mahler one more time, <laughs> I will throw right. like I don't I don't feel like learning about stuff I do literally do not care about right now like mm -hmm. tell me how I can make a bag by doing the least amount of work possible <laughs> like like that is the only reason we earn higher ed degrees like we are trying to earn a bag without breaking our backs 80 hours a week but then musicians still do we will be like oh we're trying to earn a bag and then we're going to earn 20 bags because we can and then just be tired all the time I think mm -hmm. I think we, that's just how we thrive. Like if, because if, if we're too, if we have too much time, that means we're not working. And if we're not working, we're not doing what we actually like to do because we've all, as, as stressful as our professions are, we all literally chose something that we choose to be stressed by. Like we, we in a way like that type of stress a little bit, you know? So mm -hmm. I feel like we're lucky in that regard, but also, yes, especially when, you know, you have to recall stuff you learned in theory almost 20 years ago on a test. Now I'm like, I don't remember that crap. What? <laughs> I didn't remember it then. I still don't know how to do theory, honestly. That part. really did. Laura really just look at us like, that's real crazy. Mm -mm, There's so much like math. I'm not a theory person either. I'm really bad. Theory's not not my strong suit. See, our so skills theory, are not my theory's not for the girlies. Theory's just not for the girlies. Theory, uh, oh, I can't even I'm say that. Some of my homegirls used to run. I used to be like, hey, hey, sis. That was the homegirls. I'm one of the homegirls. Because theory, <laughs> that is my stuff. I love me some theory, okay? Literally, first semester grad school, they was like, you can choose theory or or uh, a history class. And I was like, child, give me the theory. Give me the theory. This this equates very well in my head. This is so, I literally just submitted a, a theory paper today. It was it was not a paper. It was a glorified paragraph. You know, Ooh. what you gonna stop doing? Stop <laughs> in the street. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have That's trauma for my paper. grad school. Every semester turning in two 12 to 15 page papers. That was a glorified paragraph. First of all, don't hate don't hate me. You better hate the game, okay? Thank I you. I hate the game. But anyway, so Leah, I, this is this is something for that I had to kind of get used to going back to grad school. Is you know being a teacher. So I taught at a at a small school as well, where I was the only one, did every single thing. Um, and then you kind of transition back to being a student. 
So you go from running the plays, your answer is the final answer. Nobody is saying anything to you. You're the one in control to now you're like, wait, why is this wrong? Because I like, what's, what's going on? How did you deal with that transition back to being a student? Um, it's, it's, it's really rough. And I did it twice because I am a glutton for punishment, apparently. Um, but both times I did, it was very different because the first time I did it, I wasn't married. I went to NIU by myself. Um, Derek and I were dating. So like I had someone, but I was, you know, still saying I was by myself and I shared an apartment with somebody. And at first it was kind of like, well, back in college, yeah, you know? And then I realized, ew, I don't like partying with young 20-year-olds. Like, <laughs> so, but it was it was easier then. Um, I think part of it is because, like I said, I was, I was closer to the, I was still in my 30s, but I was closer to the 20 side of the 30s and the 40 side of it. Um, I was in my very early 30s, actually. So that, I think that was one thing that made it easier. I didn't have anybody else to take care of. Like, I, if I want to eat a sandwich for dinner, I'm going to eat a sandwich for dinner, you know? Um, now that I'm here with somebody, um, I mean, if I want to eat a sandwich for dinner, I still eat a sandwich for dinner. But he's here and I care about him and I love him. So I want to make sure he eats. And then, you know, if I'm sad, he takes care of me. If he's sad, I take care of him. But it's just, it's a lot more. And it's not bad, but it does add to the, the allotness of it when you have somebody else like it, it really really helps but also when that somebody else is doing the exact same thing as you and you're going through the same struggles at the same time um i think that made this time a lot different that and the fact that like i am so much older i am like literally nine months younger than one of my professors four years younger than you know my advisor like like mm-hmm. And then the imposter syndrome, I'm not used to that. I'm usually pretty confident, competent. I am always competent. I am usually pretty confident um, on the podium, but like, you know, here it took me a while to not feel like, what are you doing here? And feeling really insecure about, you know. Yes. Yeah, especially like, you know, if you're here and you're here to learn, so you're constantly getting, you know, chipped at in a good way, because that's their job, but also... It's a lot. <laughs> and especially like when you're on the podium as a conductor, because like you are the one that's supposed to know it all in front of the ensemble. And then you have your professor who is like, you're not doing this. Right. And you're like, whoa, like this is a complete, you know, difference from if I was in my own band room, how dare anybody say this? Like, this is, you know, my kingdom here. So it, it's a, a, a quite learning thing. And the same thing that you said about imposter syndrome of just like, wow, you're back here with all of these people. Do I belong here? Or is this really like, I'm, yes, I'm here to learn, but I didn't know I needed that much to learn. Whoa, what's happening here? Yeah. I totally feel that. It's, it's a very humbling experience. Um, I think the thing that was the heart, there's two things um, in this particular journey. Okay, three things in this particular journey that made things like exceptionally hard. Um, Number one, when we started, we started, you know, um, I was prepping for all of this spring of 2020. So we started fall of 2020. Um, So quitting your job, both of us quitting our jobs. This is the first time that my husband's ever lived outside of Savannah. So 
you know, completely new situation for him. I moved a lot. It was nothing for me. I was like, what else? You know, I was excited. I was excited to leave Savannah. So, but still completely new situation. Um, for Derek, you know, he grew up in Savannah. So you go from this very like heterogeneous type of population thrust into a situation like where he is the extreme minority, you know, um, all of that. And then we had a lot of 2020 like COVID losses, like, like, I think we lost like six friends. Um, his brother passed away, you know, last year. And, you know, the three, he was working on his PhD at, at Auburn. His name was Rico. Um, he was working on his PhD at Auburn, you know, band record too. And the three of us were going to go and take over the band world, you know, and he's our age. So like, and then I had to come back from the funeral and do a concert like two days later. So that type of stuff just made it really, really hard. Um, and then like, fitting in with my cohort, like, you know, everybody's like mad young and there's just different types of expectations. Like I want to hang out, but also I'm tired. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you meet at nine? What? <laughs> you know, um, it, it's, it, it's that, that, that those things made it like really, really, really hard this go around. And then I think the biggest thing is I learned a lot of uh, lessons about mm race, race relations, um, you know, disability, like this was a really, really interesting couple of years for me, learning just how nuanced things can be. Um, like I knew it. And I thought I saw it, but nah. And then like, like noticing like all these crazy intersections between things, you know, and um yeah, that was that was definitely something that I had not particularly dealt with before at such a high stakes level. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, in general it feels like especially cuz you're saying you started your program fall 2020, it felt like everyone kind of went back to their whether they they were teaching or going back to school with this like heightened awareness, I would have to say, and mm-hmm. for some of us it was a, it was like we're on guard, right? We're kind of like watch looking around like is this actually true whereas for others maybe they were the, the first time they were even aware of their own prejudices and biases that they weren't, you know, they didn't even know about. And so I feel like it was a really weird time where we were all just kind of looking at each other, like with the, you know, new, new eyes. There were like, you were talking about the nuances, intersectionality has been a huge thing I've been thinking about more, <clears throat> more recently. Um, Cause you know, as a black woman, you have two things going against you immediately that people can visually see when you walk into a room. Right. Um, so how, you know, with that, that intersectionality, especially within a field and discipline like yours, how has it been navigating such a white male dominated field? Um, I will say that over the years, um, it has gotten much easier for me personally. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I'm maybe I'm lucky, bless as the circles are running. Um, when I first started teaching, you know, it's it's the whole, oh, are you the dance instructor? Are you the color guard instructor? You can't be the band director, da, da, you know, all of that. Even my principal, my first job, you know, he told me, oh, you know, I'm taking a chance on you hiring you because you're a young black female band director. And I, you know, I'm just taking a huge chance. Something actually told to me by my principal when he called me to tell me I got the job. So career definitely started out that way. But um, I've met a lot of really amazing women in the field. Um, and I was just telling my friend today this, that 
I feel a lot less isolated because, you know, there's just so many like amazing women out there that are, you know, that are doing this and that, um, that are, that are changing things. Like, like look at um, Dr. Mitchell Spradlin, you know, up at Penn state, like amazing, you know, and she's younger than me. I'm like, Hey, that's what's up. Like, I'm, I'm so proud of her, you know, um, Dr. Um, uh, Boykins, she just got her, her doctorate today. Like she just defended the other, I mean, the other day, you know, so um, you guys all know like Dr. Rodin and yeah. you know, this, there's been so many women since I've come into this field that have like really started to come out the woodworks and really being really, really supportive of each other. So they're amazing. And I think a lot of the men are learning. A lot of the men that always have something to say are kind of learning. Maybe it's not smart because the amount of cancellations we've seen. So like I've been keeping track of who says what and when, and I'm seeing that I'm, I'm hope people are learning, which is a great thing. Cause that's, you know, that's what we want. Um, there's a lot less pushback, but there is also still a lot of that mental weight that's put on the women. So like, if you're in a, uh, a staff of five and there's one woman, you know, a lot of that mental, and I'm not particularly saying that that's my situation exactly all the time. Sometimes it has been, but still like a lot of that mental okay well you take care of the dry cleaning bill or you take care of this or you take care of the mail or something like that and then a lot of the hands-on get in front of the ensemble that's happened to me before I've been on a staff somewhere and the director you know is basically like yep you can do all the paperwork and all the guys would be the ones to get in front of the bands you know hmm. but it's not that bad anymore I think the thing that I'm I'm brushing up against um is maybe aesthetics a little bit and culture mm. um because you can't and this I'm, I'm still in this from Derek who said it the other day you can't want to teach a diverse group of students and still try to fit them exactly in you know the western canon exactly as it is so like you can't you can't you know teach a kid that you knew grew up in a household full of child abuse you can't be raising your voice at this kid all the time mm. you know because it'll be triggering um things like that so yeah. those are those are things that i've learned that a lot of people i don't think they're purposely ignoring it but they maybe just don't think about it you know you can't you can't teach a, 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 okay, perfect example. And Dr. Ken and I were laughing about this, so I can totally share it. There's a few band jobs opening up in Utah and he told me about them. I just kind of looked at him like, no, I'm Utah. You know what I look like? You know what my husband looks like? No, I like, you know, but those are things that we have to think about all the time. And he totally got it, but also, is this not something that he had to think about unless I pointed it out to him, you know? Wow, that that's so funny because that immediately you're like, do you, I'm sorry, uh, not, are, you, not, are you aware of what comes with that? But also that's another, speaking back to what you were talking about in the terms of like, you have to know with what comes with wanting to diversify your groups or whatever that looks like. 
is you're not just getting, that doesn't mean you're just going to have more Anthony's and Lauren's and Leah's in the room. What that means is you're going to have the communities also that we come from in your room as well. Meaning you have to understand us just as much as you understand the students you've had years and years and years before that. And that takes a certain amount of understanding, some effort on your part to understand what even those communities what are they aware of when your students walk into the room mm -hmm. when you would say this to them if you did this to them how would it affect them that all goes into it and some people are not qualified just speaking honestly to teach people and students from those communities because they have absolutely no idea what they face right um yeah like so like one of the things that <laughs> just i'm i'm have i'm i'm working on um is the way that I speak in academic settings because I'm one of those like people that I'm just like, I'm going to be me. Like, I don't, I'm always, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not going to walk around like, you know, cussing and stuff if I'm in a professional setting, but for the most part, my mannerisms are going to be genuine um, and me. But when speaking in certain circles, I guess, like, and then, you know, if I can't think of a word, I will kind of describe it. And I get like a lot of brain parts. So another intersectionality, I have Crohn's disease. So there's a lot of chemicals going through my body right now because I get biologics to stay healthy. And I've noticed that since I started taking medication for it, the steroids and the biologics, I get a lot of brain like, like lapses, like, oh my gosh, what's this word? What's this word? You know, like not stupid or anything. It's just, I get brain farts with certain words and that happens a lot. So I just, my lean back is I'll just kind of describe what I'm talking about, but apparently in, in some academic circles, you know, that can come off as me not caring enough about the topic to know this thing. So I'm trying to find that happy medium of, you know, still being me. I want to be me. I want to be genuine. I don't want to be one of those, you know, those conductors that walk around and they're like, Oh yeah. Not that, no, I, I got time for that. Right. Um, <laughs> like I barely, I don't, <laughs> I don't even take my shells out of my hair to conduct anymore. I'm just like, you get, you get all this, right? They're gorgeous. They Thank are gorgeous. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, like I tried to stop changing or stop um, code switching, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge because, you know, just speaking truthfully there, yes, there are a lot of black women that are doing this, but there's not, there's even less black women that, you know, that have locks or, that, you know, like I've, you know, I've got the whole, like this thing going on, you know, that's just how I am. I keep my stones on me all the time. Like I'm very, I'm a very spiritual person and I'm in that regards. And I don't, I hit it because, you know, I'm quoting, I gotta do this and that. And it, it wasn't helping this year. I, I really had to, remember I told you I was uncomfortable. So I really had to go back and just get in, back into myself to, you know, to help me get comfortable. And then it's like, well, why are you trying to change? But when I present that part of me in an academic setting, of course, because it's new, there's going to be, well, you need to conform to this instead of us just kind of understanding each other. Because if the point is for us to understand each other, <clears throat> if I say this a certain way and you understood what I'm saying, I don't see the, the problem. Mm -hmm. But also, mm -hmm. I don't want to be in a situation where nobody's taking me seriously. So I have to learn how to play the game a little bit mm. better. So I'm working on that, at least until I sign a contract. It, thank you. That's, that's exactly what my mindset is right now. Um, because I I know this about myself. I don't fit in with the, the quote unquote conductor groups 
I don't talk that language, nor do I really care to talk that language either, because that's not my culture. That's not how I was raised. That's not how um, people around me, that's just not what we do. So when I am in those circles, I'm like, okay, what do I have to do to meet this happy middle to where in this circle, they understand what I'm saying and, you know, don't come off too aggressive. Don't come off like you don't know anything, you know, and it's so unfortunate that our cultures are not accepted in that way. But say a person who is not our skin tone can be loud and can say these abrasive things, but they're looked at as, oh, he's just so funny and he just likes to talk, da da da. da. But if I did the same thing, oh, <clears throat> kid, yeah, y'all don't, mm-mm, he's not it. And I, that's something that I have really, really just kind of sat back and watched and realized, like, hmm, this is a problem. This is a problem. And it goes back to you hit it, you hit the nail right on its head. And I hope we talk about this at CBDNA. It's about our our community that we come from. It is completely different from the standard quote that the musicians are currently. That is not our culture. That's not our community that we necessarily grew up in. And, and it's, I, I used to get so angry. You can ask Michael, you can ask Laura. I used to get so angry. Like, why are these people, why do they just get to go off free? But if I did the same thing, it'd be so wrong. Well, we always have to remember this, this medium was not designed for us. But it's that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse because I'm going to still break down every damn wall that's in front of me. Until I till it says Dr. Anthony Morris sitting here, that that is when I will maybe think about having a seat. And I will say, because Lauren, I saw your face too, and I was like, I need to clarify. I do want to clarify. Um, but I'm just saying, like, learn to me learning to play the game and dance, dance. Like, I'm, I really don't think we even should because like I said if I can speak your language you should be able to speak my language we've been in this country the same amount of time right um but also part of that part of like I I noticed that I I fight differently over the decades Mm. like okay so like now like I'll be I'll be I just turned 38 so well not just anymore gosh I'll be 39 in May and my fight now looks more like okay, get a job and work from the inside because I'm just t- I'm tired. I need a job. I want to I want to buy a house and you know I have like what I'm 39. I got like three good eggs left about maybe have a kid something you know <laughs> like I I want to start life so certain things and Derek and I talk about this all the time because it kills me so much because I'm just like ah. but sometimes it's like okay well if I want this sooner rather than later maybe I need to compromise on this and then cut their legs out from under them on the inside or something like that. So I'm not advocating for like just code switching all the time. I don't recommend it. I don't like doing it. And yeah. No, I mean, whenever I was making that face, I was I was thinking more to the fact that this week, I mean, I've been, um, I'm in a research class right now and the, our paper, our final paper that I'm about to turn in this evening um, I just had a lot of internal conflict with the, in general, thinking about like how I wanted to write it versus how I had to write it in order for it to be seen as serious writing or academic writing. And I just have so many issues and 
um, issues in general with how academic writing is currently in the sense that it feels like if you write something that a normal person would be able to read and understand, it's like, that's not academic writing. I disagree. If you aren't able to say something as clearly for anyone to understand, then you're not able to, you're not a great communicator is what I believe in truly. And so I feel the same way in terms of like when you're running in social circles and all these things like I don't feel like I, I want to put on these airs or act a certain way for people to take me as a serious artist, administrator, educator, whatever, um, just because I can't speak your language, you can't speak mine. That's the difference. That same thing goes with, you know, how people treat um, uh, immigrants who come over and they speak broken English. They're like, oh, they're just, they're, they don't have a high level intellect or education because they are not speaking as clearly as I do. It's like they speak your language and their language better than you probably speak English and probably a few other languages on top of that. So it's like that understanding that a lot of people don't have, I'm hyper aware of it. And it, it you feel like you're almost fighting an internal conflict of being like, I want the work that I'm doing to be read by other scholars, to be seen as a serious, like, like, you know, academic myself, but at the same time, I understand that all these systems were built based off of like Europeans and the idea of white supremacy. And so it's the same, the, the, the uh, linguistics like um, conversation that's been going on with Ebonics and how actually a lot of the time, the, how we and people in our community say those things actually make the most sense. If you think about it in those terms, those are the conversations that swirl around my head. And so when you were talking about the idea of code switching, I really was feeling you in the sense that I was like, Ooh, I know what she means. And that's exactly why we have to keep fighting against this because it is this, we, you, in order to feel like we can move up, in advance, we feel like we have to play the game. We feel like we have to be able to speak their language. But at the same time, we are also doing that in hopes that we're in those positions that we can change how that looks and how that is. So that's why I was I was kind of talking to myself in my head when you were saying that. But I was like, ooh, I struck a nerve. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so you and you speaking about researching and presentations, you just hit a huge milestone yourself that I would I would love to hear about personally. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, you talking about my, my lecture recital that I just. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ooh, I am so glad that that is done. Um, <laughs> but I actually really had a lot of fun. So it's called Liberating the Library and Exploration of quality black when band composers, right? Um, and it came about because of a Facebook argument, actually. Um, you know, one of those quality music arguments. And then, you know, down the thread, I came with receipts, old programs of some this person that I found online, like, well, your programs don't say that you pick diverse quality music. It says you have theme concerts and that's it, right? Um, and so then I got thinking, you know, how many times have we heard that? Like, it's quality music debate. Like, what is quality music? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so I took basically Ostling's list from the Ostling study of 1978, which is problematic in and of itself. Like that very first Ostling list had zero Black composers. Mm -hmm. However, um, the actual characteristics that he listed, I don't particularly have a problem um, with those, because I think those are, they're good. Like, you know, the music is, is interesting and it changes directions, but the directions make sense. Like things like that, you know, um, that kind of make up a quality piece. And so we recently had Kataj Copley in residence here. You guys know Kataj, right? 
so love me some guitar. Yes, he is an amazing human being. Um, so we premiered his piece, Dope, which was so much fun. Um, but because he was here, we did like three of his pieces for you know one concert, and then university band did like one or two of his pieces. So um, it was really, really great. Got some stories for you, Kataj, when you watch this. <laughs> Love you, man. It was so great. We had so much fun. Anyway, um, so I took the music of Kataj Copley because I was like, yo, he's here. I want to highlight this young man. You know, he's doing really great. And so I basically took the pieces, Dope, um, Heaven at Night, and Nova, and did like a loose analysis. Like, I didn't do like a numerical analysis. I just pointed out parts of the music that that aligned with the list of like you know what makes me music quality and then so I did that for all three of his pieces and then I talked about other black composers so I listed about eight other black composers and you know pieces that they have and I talked about why those pieces you know kind of make make them quality and I included a bunch of QR codes basically and like here's this link for you know if you want you know, diverse composers for your group. And here's this link for diverse composers. Here's this link to this composers. Here's this link to that composers. Um, and I was really trying to put like a lot of people, you know, just get them out there. I didn't know their music, like Marie Douglas, you know, um, <laughs> Carlos Simon. A lot of people know Carlos Simon, but the band world doesn't really, the young band world doesn't really know him that well um, yet. So, you know, I put his stuff up there, just like a bunch of people. So, I just, I wanted to get rid of the like, well, who's quality music? No, you're just being biased. You're just assuming. And yeah, there's less of us because we're not getting played. And I mean, this profession is literally, you know, based off of popularity. So your music's got to get played in order for it to be known. Mm -hmm. Don't perpetuate the cycle. You actually have to do something, be intentional about stepping away from that wheel or else you're just going to keep going around and around and around. Um, you... You just sparked something in my head when when talking about black music. Um, what has been your experience with um, the ones that are in in control? Yes, they'll play this black music, but they will not give it the true time of day. They will not do the study of the music. They will not understand the culture that is from like dope. Uh, by Kataj Copley. That's a, a culture piece. Same thing with Kevin Day's Concerto for Wind Ensemble. Each mm -hmm. movement is a different part of Black culture. Are you going to talk about that? Are you going to talk about that with your students? And this is towards those conductors who are like, we're just going to do the piece. But right. You're not doing the piece. Yeah. Because you didn't take the time to do the actual work behind the piece. What are your thoughts on that? Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. Now, I will say like here at South Carolina, like, and I'm not even like caping because I go here because, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you whatever. But they genuinely do a really great job of being diverse within their um, composite. Like I've gotten introduced to a bunch of stuff. And then it's like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to intentionally do this thing. I mean, I guess it is intentional, but it's they so smooth with it that you didn't even like <laughs> even realize that it's happening. And it's it's something that they feel very strongly about. Um, we're involved with a lot of commissions and we try to make sure that we reach out, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, we get, you know, we do this old standards too, but, you know, we do the big stuff. Um, but I will say like, even when people are well-intended, a lot of times they don't know. Perfect right. example, last year um, in Symphonic Winds, we were doing Suite of Old American Dances. Mm. So, you know, that first song, Cakewalk, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ain't happening, right? So um, I told Dr. Jacobs um, when we were rehearsing it, I was like, you know, um, and he and I have been doing like research on DEI stuff, like trying to figure out how to make the marching band more, you know, more diverse and, you know, things like that. So he's really interested in getting better. Um, but well, there's no but, but we just, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of asking, which is fine, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I asked him, I was like, can you please make sure that you explain to the band what this is about before they just go off playing the jaunty tune of the slaves? Like, we're not doing that. Um, I still don't even like that movement because I feel like it's too happy. Like, I feel like there needs to be like an undertow of like nobody knows and some extreme minor key or something like that. I don't know. But, um, and he said, yeah, and he did it and he explained it beautifully to them. Um, and I think that that helped. And so that gives me faith about South Carolina. Now, some of these other places, I I think at uni- on the university level, they would be silly to, to not at least start trying to do these things, um, especially as they're trying to diversify their studios because they're not gonna get, do anything but get students that are gonna call them out for not doing it. Um, I think a bigger part of the issue lies with high school directors um, in certain communities because they still have to bend to the will of, you know, the admin, the admin, the neighborhood, like if they live in all like, you know, super conservative, extra Republican County, they're not, you know, they're just, yeah, Right. right. And we had this this topic um, while I was at the, the Art of Conducting Georgia at Georgia State. Um, and there was a teacher there who she said that, you know, I want to play this music, but my uh, my people that are in front of me, my ensemble, my students, they are all white. They're all male. How do I um, teach this music from a completely genuine way? I want to expose my students. But that is not their culture. But I want to expose them to that culture. And I also want to expose this community. Yes, we are in a predominantly white community up in the sticks, mountains of Georgia. But I want to expose them to it this way. How do I do that? And when she asked the question, I realized, like, that is such a genuine question. And that's a, a, a reality for a lot of people. And I, and I actually end up telling her like, first of all, you were doing everything right. You have, you have this want to, to diversify our repertoire for your students, for yourself. I love that. And um, which leads to, I think on relative pitch, we talked about um, a, a, in California for, uh, the Allstate. Oh, again. yeah, the, the CJT. The CJ, CJT and Kevin Day wrote. Oh, yeah. and Kataj's the piece that was pulled. Uh, and Kataj's piece, and people in California band directors were calling, you know, the music educator board and was like, if they play this song, y'all, this and this will happen, and y'all are just uh, perpetuating all of this hate. Da 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 da. It's like, what? What? So, and this was in 2021. So we still have this fight to go through. And you would think California, for it to be such a progressive place, 
things will be moving on. No, there's bigotry everywhere. Let me say something about California. I went out there to, I did a guest connecting thing with um, my friend, Dr. Nick Brachers of Cal State San Bernardino. Mm -hmm. I went down there. It was cool. We went to, what's the name of that city? It sounds like um, something that should be in Florida, like Palm Coast, but it's Palm Springs. Yeah, we went to Palm Springs, was hanging out, doing the thing, whatever. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm in the land of diversity. I'm here amongst my peoples. We're good, like, you know, doing the thing. And some dude walks down the side. So me and niggas walking down the sidewalk, chilling. Some dude walks down the sidewalk and shoulder checks the mess out of me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Excuse me? And no, actually, he does it coming from this way. So he's walking straight ahead. And I'm, I look, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is wrong with you? And so it's this, like, this Hispanic guy who is ironic. His ironic part, like, and it's, I'm... <laughs> This is the ironic part. Hopefully it was darker than me, okay? <laughs> um, so, but this is fan. You, t- you can turn around and talk about why well, I just don't like N-words. Oh. And this was when? So, so we California. Just, I'm walking, minding my business. And we just out here just saying it. We just out here just he like. just out here shoulder checking me. Talking about, I just don't like N words. Cause I was like, dude, what's your problem? You all right? Cause at first I thought he was stumbling. So I was like, no, you good? Like, you good? good? And he was like, I just, I just don't like N words. <laughs> and so then, like, my feisty, but like, I was ready to fight. I was ready to talk. Nick, Nick had to hold me back. He's like, Leah, you're out here trying to guest conduct. You know, oh. you can't be out here doing all that. I, I like, can conduct in the cast. I, cause you know what? I will have to say, Not- being on the West Coast, it is a different type over here. I have learned this now that I am in Seattle and the Seattle itself is in a whole nother thing because it's the Northwest, you know, mm-hmm. but something I have learned because people think, look at me crazy when I, a black woman say, I miss the South. I will tell you why I miss the South. I miss the South because I know where I'm going when I'm there. Right. It's I know I'm going to be there. It was in my face. It's I know where it is. Because they will tell you right here. Right there. And I'll be like, you know what? Thank you. At least I know where to <laughs> You know what I mean? But here it is sneaky because they have these diversity statements, these land acknowledgements, these programs specifically for BIPOC people. And it'll still still happen. We had, I have had situations here where I've been with a group of like other women of color and you know, it's, it was a situation where it was like an art museum, right. Or like an art exhibition. So everyone's walking around at it all. We're having conversation. Now, mind you, there are people, there are drinks. So people are just standing in front of the art, talking, chit chatting, right. This, uh, white man comes up to us, this, a group of women of color and tells us that we need to leave the area because we're, we're like taking up space from other people. Mind you, there's a group of white people standing literally right next to us doing exactly what we're doing. And he doesn't say one word to them. It was this whole back and forth. I was shocked. I was That was within the first few months that I arrived here. I was with another um, female colleague here who was also from Georgia. And we were looking at each other like, we thought we were... We thought we were somewhere else. Like, well, this just seems like something that would have happened back in, like, Georgia. But, like, here... You know, so like that, that West Coast wokeness is what I call it now. It's, it's performative, you know, and I think the thing that hurt about the guy, like even the reason why I mentioned his skin tone, because I was like, you're another person of color. Mm. I come from an immigrant family. 
Like, and just by the way he was sound, I can tell from his accents. Cause you know, you have like being in New York, like you can, I can kind of tell the difference between like where people are from and the type of Spanish accent they have. Mm-hmm. Based off of his accent, he sound like he was an immigrant as well. I don't understand this hate. And then on top of that, we were like all hanging out in like one of the gayest cities in America. So like, what is happening here? Springs. It's like, it's either there or San Francisco. Yeah. So like I was, I was, I was taken aback because I was just like, but we're, but you, I don't. Not all, not all skin folk is kin folk. And another thing, oh, Anthony, continue. No, I was just saying, like, not all skin folk is kin folk. And I had to learn that. And I think we all have had to learn that as well. Because, you know, I, I remember when we, in 2020, it was the whole POC, people of color. And then a couple months later, you know, people started saying, actually, can we just not be all clumped together? Because we're not all the same. We're not a monolith. Uh, Black people is not a monolith. Uh, Hispanic people are not a monolith. And you'll be surprised. Not all people of color get along with other people of color. So stop trying to generalize Mm. people that have a darker melanin than the the white person uh, in America. So the people of color that, you know, they're not all kinfolk people. I think they're just like, you know, trying to decrease or increase their proximity to whiteness. That yes. is, it's bingo. Yeah. It is, I don't know who, it was a re, another research presentation today. Somebody said it, but it was something along the lines of like, it benefits the white system whenever people from different races are not like in tune with each other, right? Does that, that make sense? Like, is, if we if we combine together, then we're like, wait a minute, now we're the majority, wait a minute, but they don't want that. And unfortunately, throughout history, it has not been that. There, It's just always been someone who's going after the other because like you said, you're trying to reach that, that goal. And the goal, unfortunately, for a lot of these communities are to be as close to what be seen as white as possible. Mm-hmm. Within our own, specifically the Black community, it it has been kind of ingrained in us since being enslaved. If you had the more lighter skin, since your 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 proximity to whiteness, you were of a high regard. I have a story for y'all. So oh, my family is Jamaican. Like 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 I'm both both sides. Like my family knew each other in Jamaica, then came here. So you know how Jamaica is, right? Um, with the colorism and the you know, they do the skin bleaching. Not all Jamaicans, but, you know, it's very popular there, the set of there. So um, I grew up in the house, you know, oh, pinch your nose. You don't want your nose to be white, sir. You know, that, you know, that thing, right? But this was always really interesting to me. So I, this is how I learned about colorism and why I, I, I hate it, right? So... Mm-hmm. I'm the complexion that I am. So depending on what room I'm in, I'm either super light or super dark. Mm -hmm. Depending on which cousin I'm standing by, Mm -hmm. I'm either super light or super dark, right? So my cousins on my dad's side are like very, very bright. Like, you know, they're beautiful and they're very yellow. In that family, I legit always felt like the ugly one. 
And mm-hmm. it's not because I found something, well, I guess I did find something wrong, but it was always like, oh, well, look at your cousin. Like they never, well, no, I've come out, come inside my grandmother, you know, why are you dark? So I'm son, you know, I tan, whatever. But like that, that break between like the community is just real crazy. And like, I grew up in Queens, you hop on a train you go over there to the Bronx and you got the Dominicans who don't even like some of them like don't even claim their blackness, mm-hmm. but all of that is coming back from slavery within their own Island because part of that was a, a act of, I don't blame them. It was, it was self-preservation. You know what I'm saying? So like it runs, the colorism runs deep. The thing that gets me though, is a lot of white people's, um, their, their help with that. Mm. because like you know like like i know that in front of certain white people you know i could go me and lauren could go stand in a room and get two completely different reactions yes from people i know that before i locked my hair when i was a loose natural i got completely different reactions from when my hair was straight versus when it was curly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it's because of their comfortability, because a lot of times too, the lighter you are, oh, the closer you are to me, I don't have some, I don't have to be so afraid of you. They're very palatable. Yep. Some people are more palatable to the establishment than others. And I'm I'm really trying to break that stigma, sometimes to my own detriment, because it gets me caught up in situations that are stressful. But I just don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think we I know me and Laura, we, we've talked about this, about, you know, just going into different spaces and getting different reactions. And, and that what le- uh, led me to what I said earlier about, I just sat back and watched of how one per- person A will go do one thing and accept it and like, yeah, they're just funny, they're cool. Person B, who is a little darker, uh, they are, that's disrespectful, how dare they? Yeah. And like one of your teachers you were talking about, Leah. And about the music? Yes. Well, I just want to, this is blanket statement, plugging relative pitch, because hashtag. I am lucky to learn so much all the time. Like I'm sitting here quiet as hell, just soaking in information. It's like, because I see it with Lauren and Anthony, mm-hmm. and like they will tell me about stuff. Like, Anthony, what was the saying you said earlier? Um, I said a lot. You do say <laughs> Anthony has a lot of sayings. Um, <laughs> but like he'll say something. That one, that one. Yeah. And like he said that, like he will say it. And then, but like someone in their car, I'll be like, okay, we're friends. Um, I want to <laughs> learn. Can you explain, please? <laughs> like, you, like, like I, I actually want to learn, like when you say this, like what does it mean? I like, think that's fair, better than you assuming well, it and assuming well, some wrong stuff. Well, well, and like, oh God, like I will never say it because that is not me. I am white. Yeah. Um, but like, it's like I get to sit back here and this leading something and like tonight for like 45 minutes to an hour and learn all this and learn like people like where they go from because like I use that in my students because I'm like, okay, I'm going to study who you are because I'm the private teacher where literally my kids after District Honor Band called me. I would never do that with my private teacher in high school. Right. Just, 
thank you so much. I got this chair. They call me. They're like, oh my God, I did this. I did this. I also messed up so much on this and I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. We're going to be amazing. It's because like when they come into my room or wherever I teach them, like, how's your week going? <laughs> do you like the trumpet today? Do we not like the trumpet today? But also it's just like after our session last year, Relative Pitch Live in Athens, part one, because part two is coming up soon. Sure. Um, I went and saw one of the band directors that came to our session. And I visited her because I was at UNG doing a recruiting event. And me, Anthony, saw her show, like her marching band show. And past years has been like musicals and stuff. And this year, bam, Beyonce right in the face. Because mm -hmm. she was like, I wanted to do something that I relate to and my kids relate to, but I didn't know how I was going to take to the community, she opened up with Freedom by Beyonce. And she, and we are like, and we saw that, and we were like, oh my God, that she, she, did, a, she did a damn good job. The band oh, it. Oh, amazing. I see that show. That sounds good. And then, yeah. like, I went to talk to her students, and it was just like, it was just a good time. And mm -hmm. it's just like, but like, it's so cool because she chose to instead of going to a prominent concert at the same time, because GMA didn't like us apparently and didn't like what we're trying to say. Um, Cause they stuck us at eight 15 in the morning. Not when, over when, when, oh, not because their session later on, I will say this, there's a session later on that night by a white woman mm. in a very uh, area that this, this is the title white woman teaches black students. I think huh? I was there. Was I there? Was it across the street? We, we, we talked to you about, about it. We talked to you about it because we were we were all kind of yeah. Up yeah, I was I was there, and I I like so I was there. And my husband was there. And I think some of my other friends were there, and I, I yeah. Now we were just like, yep. And we got stuck at eight fifteen with and during a concert that everybody would like to go to, mm -hmm. but this teacher chose to come, and because. They were doing, they just wanted to learn more. And it's just like amazing that like if people just took the time to understand what they weren't doing correctly, ask the questions and get better. Like your teacher did at the higher academic level. Like that is the level, like I got my doctorate. I'm doing this. Like I don't need to learn anymore. Quote unquote. Like I am the teacher, but he is choosing to learn more because he sees the landscape of music changing. But we have people stuck in these programs of middle school, which is the most formative time in music. Bless them. Middle school. Yes. And, right. But they are still just doing Larry Clark. Mm. And then like, again, and then also we talked about the, you talked about a song earlier. Like someone talked about a song. People out here still doing him song. Oh, Kataj Copley, Kevin Day. California, but people out here still in hymn song of Philip Bliss, like it's like Mary had a little lamb. But we won't let stuff like that be played in California. It's like the double negatives are getting crazy. Or like Larry Clark, like I taught sectionals at a school and I told the band director the very first day, I said, You should remove this piece from your program. You're playing Larry Clark. This is exactly what he did. You have students that look like this in your band program and you're perpetuating this story and saying it's okay because we're still going to play their piece. You because you don't explain your pieces to your students, they will never know the difference. Mm -hmm. It's like we did a Tyler S. Grant piece. We are 35 minutes away from Tyler S. Grant. Why have you not talked about Tyler S. Grant is a band director 35 minutes away? It's just like band directors think, uh, and I'm not a band director, never been a band director, 
but you have 50 minutes in every, if you're not on block schedule, you see your kids every day at 50 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes. If you are on block schedule and you get to see your kids every day, that's an hour and a half. If you're on block schedule and don't see them every day, it's an hour and a half every day. You can take five minutes and talk about a freaking piece and talk about where the composer's from, what the composer has done. You can also say, you know, this is Percy Granger. I don't agree with everything he did, but this is the reason he is important to the wind band medium. But that is, and that's like a part of like the music thing that I still don't get that we don't discuss. But when it comes to like university cycles and stuff, we're only going to spend 15 minutes on Mother Revolution because of the fun closer, but we're not going to talk about it. Or when we say the story, we're going to do it incorrectly and fall flat on our face, but we only spend 15 minutes a cycle just running through which you got to run through that's the hardest part once you <laughs> like just practice that okay cool we can run. no also why is that the default piece sometimes there's so many other pieces that we can do and also like that's why i like the project with kataj coming out there y'all spending so much time on dope and stuff it's like thank you but we're still going to have band directors at the high school and middle school level that's going to do like halcyon hearts that's going to do one of Kevin Day's many pieces with the many notes. And he writes a lot of notes. Yeah, and then, like, or just like any of these pieces. And we're just going to do, we're just going to close the concert. This is just a concert closer, you know, but we're only going to spend 15 minutes at a time on it instead of really getting in there. And then you're perpetuating the stereotype mm-hmm. that it's just a concert closer. We don't need to spend some time in it. Yeah. You, said, you kept saying the important thing though, um, conversation, like, that's kind of the root of all of this. Like there's no conversations being had, you know, like I'm, I'm one of those people that like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not really, I don't really care about making you uncomfortable. And then the, and honestly, the more racist you are, the more uncomfortable I try to make you on purpose. But I, I'm, I think a lot of things can be fixed if people just like, how many times have you ever watched the movie? And it's like, bro, this whole movie didn't even need to happen. If they would have just talked to them for like five minutes, it would have been good. You know, a lot of those, you know, when you're explaining things to your bands, like I'm definitely one of those band directors that, you know, we talk about the music all the time. If I can bring the composer in, you know, I do. If I, if it's uncomfortable, like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to show you because life isn't uncomfortable. That's what music is. And it is yeah. an expression of, of life. And if we can't talk about the life part of the music, then we're just, then then at that point it's just banned yes yes and then we're not feeding the ethos it's just banned and then we all did ban for some reason and not because i played this really high f good one time and i just really love the way i said we did it because of the emotional connection we had to it it's like one of the programs i teach at there's a very high population of uh females women and like they play instruments at a high level they sit at the top of the sections i'm like this is great because like where i grew up that's not a thing. But why haven't we played a piece by a female or woman composer? So what I did is I commissioned two pieces by women composers that are like my age that are coming into the program to talk to these kids. It's like, well, if you ain't going to pick a piece, I'll just get two pieces written that they get to meet them and see them and see how they like one is a tuba performance major doesn't even write music for a living, but she likes to write music. Mm-hmm. And the other one is like, had a hard time getting through music school because she'd never felt motivated playing the trumpet sometimes, but she loves writing music. I'm like, cool, bam. I put people in front of you that have different career paths than I did. 
and you get to play music by someone that you can see yourself in because apparently we can't choose that. It's too hard to find a piece that looks like our students, you know, because hashtag we're always so busy. Not anymore. Not on Al Gore's internet. Not Al Gore. No, but like it's everything that both of you just spoke to. All it means, it's just about intention. You uh -huh. can you can show up and just play your war horses and your standards, and maybe you'll have some students who really enjoy that. But there will be many students who leave with nothing, who leave those programs because they didn't feel a connection with it because you didn't make an intentional. Um, or you didn't make any intentions to actually include them or connect with them in a way that they could understand. And the whole purpose of the conversations and doing your own important, uh, your own work, personal work, is to have more connections with different students and not just one type of student. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's to wrap all that up, it's about intention. It's about if you're actually being genuine about this. Because if not, girl, go go work somewhere else. I don't know. Go do something that, else. That, like, that, my dear, would be that performative allyship that I have always telling people to stay away from. It's, yeah. you know, when Congress did the, you know. Performative. Oh, God. We ain't asked for all that. <laughs> it was for that one look Instagram that picture. That picture. Because they didn't like, convince them to do that. What intern convinced them to do that? Because like, you know they were the intern. You know it was the intern. It was. Like, this would be real cute. All right, here we go. Instagram. I wonder if it was somebody setting them up, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We like that. Funny. That's exactly what we want. Peter will love this. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it's just like I see people talk to Lauren and Anthony. Like when I'm around them, they're only conversating with them to get like the approval that they're not racist. Sometimes mm. it's like, hey, this is okay, right? This is okay. And I'm just sitting here like, I just start saying, or or or, or like, I don't oh, get my paid God. enough. I, I, I am I on the clock? I don't get paid enough for and this. Just like, or you could just like talk to literally any of your friends. Like it, you don't have to come to. Lauren and Anthony, because we're like kind of like, especially if you don't talk to them all the time and you just randomly, like, hey, is this kind of racist? I mean, they're black friends, guys. Don't yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, I talked to Lauren and Anthony. I'm just like, yeah, was like, I mean, we just talk. And if something pops up because they feel like I might be doing something wrong, like Anthony curved one of my ideas earlier this year because he felt like I was on the track to make a mistake like I did a couple of years ago, but wasn't meaning to. He's like, I'm just going to put this in your bubble. Like, bubble. And I'm just like, and I ruminate on two days. I'm like, oh, shit. You are completely right. Like, I would have made the mistake, thought two years later, recoiled the mistake. It's just like, let me just avoid the whole thing in general. Mm -hmm. Learning is okay. <laughs> Listen, every single person has some sort of bias for something that we've had to unpack, like mm -hmm. one way, shape, or form. Like, I know, like, I've, definitely said some things like in my past that I'm like, Ooh, I thank God, you know, the social media thing wasn't around, you know, <laughs> and we, we have to grow and learn from that, but it only happens with open minds and open hearts. That's the biggest thing um, is you have to come, you have to come genuine and you have to come with true intentions and people are now being able to smell if you're just coming to ask for permission to do something or if you actually want to do it because you care about what you're doing. 
Um, and so we'll see in a few years what, you know, what it'll actually be, you know, if people are still programming just to program or if they're programming to actually connect with different communities and audiences. Because it's going in the right direction. So 2026, that's my year. That's the year I look back on between 2020, 2026, January 1st, I will look back on this past six years and see if it's a trend or if it was a fad. Mm. Well, in 2026, Rose the Bitch will still be here along with having these conversations still. So I just want to say thank you again, Leah, for being on our podcast today. And we are so excited for you to be joining us for more conversations for CBDNA. So please, please, please get on the train because we are not we are not stopping. We are going to keep going. So thank you again, Leah, for joining thank us. Thank you for having me. This was great. Absolutely. So everybody, please, we'll have Leah, all of her contact information down below. So please check her out, follow her, become part of her village and like, comment, subscribe um, on our stuff. And we will see you, oh my gosh, next year. So see ya. Wow, bye.